Father, we thank you today. Thank you for your awesome, awesome presence. Oh, God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for your presence today, God. Father, open our hearts, minds, and spirit that we may receive everything that you have for us, dear Papa. Hi! Yeah. Glory to God. Open our hearts and minds, God. We want everything. Yeah. We want everything. Yeah. We want everything. Yeah. And we say yes to you, God. Father, I pray, God, you bless the man of God this morning. Download to him, God, everything that you have for us today. Bless him, God. Use him, God, today. We thank you for doing it. We give you glory and praise. Thank God. Amen. 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 Uh, so I was uh, wrestling on the message. I was like, God, what do you want me to preach? So I was at, I wanted to share with this what happened. So I was sent on a leadership retreat from FedEx. Miraculously happened. I was not, I was not too keen on getting selected, but I put my name in it anyway. And uh, I got selected by, you know, the leadership said, you can go. And so here's what happened. So the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I was in this place called Victory Ranch. Okay, it's in Bolivar, Tennessee. Bunch of uh, FedEx people all around, from all around the world, pretty much. There's people from France, Belgium, China, Malaysia, Japan. It was an experience, but here's the prophetic vision I got. So on Monday morning, it was a five-day thing, Monday through Friday. The first couple of days would be in the headquarters at FedEx. And they ended up putting me in a room called Double Eagle. All right, Double Eagle. And uh, so then the Lord said, uh, I'm going to show you some more progression of what's going to happen. So the first Monday, Tuesday, it was in Double Eagle. And then we started on Wednesday morning. FedEx bus came and picked us all up. So we are driving to Victory Ranch. As soon as I enter the Victory Ranch to the right, double horses, like two horses standing right there. And the Lord said, watch that. That's double horses. I'm like, okay. And then he clearly showed me the, the name tag again. He said, Victory Ranch. He said, I'm going to seal some victory, seal some of the things that, uh, you know, I've been run God has been causing me to run for. And in, in fact, I felt so strong in the, the, the three days at Victory Ranch. It's a Christian organization, but the presence of God was so mighty. You know, some of the revelation I got over there was more than what I get in the church sometimes. It's just amazing, especially a lot of unbelievers. People were just, uh, but these are very Nice intellectual people, but just don't know God, a lot of them. But then there were also, I think out of uh, 29 or 30 people, 10 of them were born-again Christians. So that is a good thing to have, too. And so it was a great experience this, this week for me. And so I didn't have any time to prepare until Saturday morning. And the enemy was just fighting me on not getting me a download for what to preach this morning. And last night, again, we went to another meeting where... There was a gentleman who was persecuted in Saudi Arabia. He was in prison for, I think, five months. And this man's testimony, you know, it's just, if you're, if you're sensitive, you can't listen to this. It's, like, really gruesome. And anyway, but this man today, he stands strong and is a witness for Christ. He, he travels all around the world, but it was powerful. And so I got this message this today morning. I just want to let you know. Around 6 a.m., after 6 a.m., this is when I got it fresh from the Lord, so I hope you enjoy it. Beatitudes is my message today. Let's turn, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John 7. We'll set a, a foundation for this and go from there. Last week, we looked at the Feast of Tabernacles. Apostle 
had to stand up with a lot of banners here. And uh, in the New Testament, we see the Feast of Tabernacles where Jesus says in John 7, 37 through 39, he says, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, just as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him or her. And he was speaking about the spirit whom those who believed in him will receive later on. Father, I commit myself to you, Jesus. Help me. I depend on you, O oh Father. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. So you see the Feast of Tabernacles in the New Covenant. Coming to a summation, especially Jesus bringing the meaning of the Feast of Tabernacles where he says, Whoever believes in me, just as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within and then out. And he says clear about what he was talking about. He said he was speaking about the Spirit. Everyone say the Holy Spirit. He was speaking about so the, the, all these feasts are pointing towards the Spirit of God. And the Spirit's convergence with each one of us. This morning when Hope came, in, uh, came up and said, you know, no more lies, no more condemnation, no more keeping me away from my inheritance, something like that. That's a battle that uh, most of the believers are facing. And this is what the enemy is trying to keep us away from. From the time this, uh, the worship leader earlier, when she said when from childhood she's been facing attacks, the attack of the enemy is against you getting into full convergence with God, full unity with God. So all this distraction, the smokes and the mirrors and the whole deal is to keep you from coming into your full convergence with God. Because you and I are what? We are divine. And the minute we start operating in our divine consciousness, divine identity, we are going to conquer a lot of things. The, once we know who we are, we are going to move forth in that boldness and knock out some things off the way. And the enemy don't want you to know that. As I mentioned before many times, as long, you know, if you're playing church, just religion, the enemy is okay with that. That's why you see millions of Christian followers all around the world. Doesn't mean a thing for him until you reach the point of awareness of who you are. Especially this thing, until you're fully tabernacled with the Spirit of God, you're not a threat to the kingdom of darkness. So he's all about keeping you away from this. And Jesus came, as I mentioned many times, is... To bring the awareness, the consciousness, the convergence of spirit and man together again. So that man can walk as a king and a priest again. Rule and reign over the earth realm. And here we see in John 20. I want to, I want to bring the highlight of the spirit. What's, what, why is Holy Spirit so important? And why is Holy Spirit so important to what we do here in the church and outside? From the time we got baptized, why is this element called Holy Spirit so important? He says again, he said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them, something like that, and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So disciples walked with Christ for almost three and a half years. 
they are rubbed off him, but there's no point of, there's no, it was no good, honestly, other than the experiences, the memories they had. They weren't transformed in their mind. They weren't. None of them, including Peter. But they walked with Christ, but it was, this was right before his resurrection, he said, peace be with you, and now uh, he, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. This was at the very end. If this was not so critical, he didn't have to do that. He could have said, hey, the, all these 12 disciples sat in the church, hung out with me. They were there when I ate food. They should know this by now. Just sitting here doesn't mean anything. You have to get the breath of the Holy Spirit breathed on you, the fire of the Holy Ghost breathed on you, before you move and operate in your divine identity. Every one of you sitting here are divine, are precious, are mighty, are holy. But you're confused because of the earth realm and the, the flesh web, the web of temptations and distractions the enemy had put in here has made us confused from who we are. So Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit because it is so important for you to function and operate in the fullness of your authority and power. Now, when he did this, did they receive it right away? I'm going to show you a concept here. Because I prayed about this in my prayer closet. I said, I asked, Lord, if they received the Holy Spirit, why, why did it happen again in the day of Pentecost? Because there are several interpretations out there. But I got a direct download from God. God said, my son, when I breathed on them, it was more like an advance given. They didn't receive anything that day. It's like a prophetic word. When Vicky Billman just says a prophetic word or someone says a prophetic word to you or her, it is not fulfilled right away. It starts an activity. It starts a cataclysmic process right there. But the fulfillment comes when? A little later on. So even here, when even though he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit, it just was the first precursor before the full download here in Acts 2, verse 2. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, the believers were all together in one place. Suddenly, everyone says suddenly. A sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and came to rest on them, rest on each one of them. So... The fulfillment of that first action was done here on the day of Pentecost. It's just like releasing a prophetic word. That act, so, this, so when the Lord spoke to me, I realized the dynamics of how some of these things work. I had God received laying on of hands of several men of God, which is now coming to a climax now, to come into fulfillment of what they did years ago, now happening, now getting manifested in many ways. I expected it by, by then and there, to be honest with you. I thought the power would be just now, and I'm just going to display it. No, it took years before it started to manifest. So don't get discouraged because your prophetic word isn't manifested yet. It's coming. As, so, as long as it was breathed by the word of God, by the spirit of God, it's going to happen. It's going to knock this and that and that thing out on the course, but it'll happen. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of heaven or the spirit, of, the spirit deposit that God wants to put on each one of us, it says, 
The kingdom of heaven is a state of consciousness in which you become one with God. Your mind and your body, your spirit becomes one with God. You're fully aware you're a spiritual being. You are not a fleshly being. And you are also settled and rested in the finished work of Christ. And you know all the works of the flesh has been taken care of at the cross. That was out of your ignorance, out of your errors, which Christ took on the cross. Now he wants you to start operating, as uh, Hope said this morning, without any veil. He wants you to fully rest in the finished work of Christ and know that your original identity, your origin is from the Spirit. And that Spirit is pure, holy, righteous, and you are divine. So you have to come into a place of harmony, a complete harmony with the Spirit of God. Fully convinced of your sonship or daughtership, and your, as I said, that your source is God himself. You know, no matter how much I paint a white crane black, it doesn't become a raven, does it? No. That's what the enemy has been trying to do over us, pure and holy beings of God we are. He's been trying to paint all this over us to make us think that we are something else. That's not who we are. We are children of God. We are sons of God. That's what the Bible says. To all who received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. So in other words, everyone has been sleeping, but if you receive him, he will wake you up to your true identity. Hallelujah. So, our goal is to become harm, harmonious with God. It's like some music notes. When everything just playing together, it's just a beautiful thing to hear. So we want to become one with God in our awareness, in our consciousness, knowing that we truly are sons and daughters of God, spirit to spirit, worshiping Him in spirit and in truth. But as I said, the enemy is going to throw the whole kitchen sink against you, okay? He's going to ensure every, every, all hell breaks loose around you so that you cannot get into that convergence. So that your mind is continually perplexed, your mind is continually distracted, your mind is continually afflicted, oppressed. The goal is so that you, have never, you don't take time to come into the silence where you become one with God again. He, just, he doesn't want you to reflect or renew your mind. This is why meditating the Word of God is so key. Taking time to just get in the zone of silence. And renewing your mind with the word of God. Goal is not so that you know all these scriptures by heart. So that you can come into convergence with God. And know that you are a spiritual being. That you are powerful dynamite waiting to explode. That you can tread down upon serpents and scorpions and every work of the enemy. Jesus. So I want to talk to you about the Beatitudes. I, 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 I like to say it's the attitudes for being one in consciousness with God. So because Hope was saying this morning about the, her prayer, right? But there are some attitudes that are required, some postures that are required to get into that divine consciousness. So I'm bringing Beatitudes to you today in a new wine skin, in a new wine format. So please keep the old wine skin if there is any away. Because what happens when you put new wine into the old wineskin? It's going to burst. We, you know, at CityGate, we are radical here. We are not ashamed of what we 
preach and what we stand for. And we boldly preach new wine. And I thank God for Clay Nash and the whole tribe here, which we stand for the new wine. We know the old thing, the old religious stuff doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't add to my spiritual life. It doesn't add to my joy, my peace, nothing. It's a bunch of do's and don'ts, just like Hinduism, Mormonism, Islam. It's all the religion of what? Do's and don'ts. That's not what we follow. Our goal is not a bunch of adhering to some religious rituals and practices and commandments. That's not what we do, we're here for. Our goal is to become one with the Spirit of God so that we can move like Christ walked here on earth. To build up that confidence and revelation where no gates of hell will prevail against us. That's our goal. And I want to get closer day and day adding to my level to that convergence. You know, when you go to the eye doctor, they'll make you look at that letters, right? So if you can't see clearly, they'll keep adjusting it. It's called convergence. Until you, be, you can see it clearly. This is our goal. We are trying to see it clearly who we are. We are getting So you keep pushing until you see yourself as a divine being, as a son and daughter of God, full of might, full of power. No sin. Sin is all taken care of. That was, as I said, it's under the cross. So Beatitudes is a prescription from Christ for all of us to get to this convergence with God. That's what actually Beatitudes is all about. We thought it was a bunch of, again, a bunch of rules. No, no, no. no. I'm going to show you by, by God's grace a new revel interpretation on how you need to view the Beatitudes. Now, with everything else, Beatitudes is also has a lot of ifs because it depends on you and me engaging in and exercising what we hear. We have to apply it so that this become a reality. So there is a form, or there is a level of exercise or engagement involved from each one of us. It's required. Okay? And that's where the kingdom of heaven, if you read, uh, there's a couple of parables where the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king. Anyone, has anyone read that? He says the kingdom of heaven is like a king. What that is showing is a king has authority, a will, a rule. He's saying we have to exercise our will in all these matters. It's not going to automatically happen. There's a level of labor involved in you transitioning to the kingdom mentality. Okay? It's up to each one of us to do that. It's like a king meaning there's a will involved. Okay? All right, let's go to the Beatitudes. Turn with me to Matthew 5, verses 1 on, verses uh, where we see the Beatitudes. What is Beatitudes again? The attitudes that God is saying that you need to posture yourself with so that you can become or come into convergence with God. So we're going to look at that. Uh, this is the summary, but I'm just going to uh, get to one by one in a second. It says, And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up into the mountain, and when he had sat down, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Let's look at, uh, there's eight of them. And we look at, again, do you know what number eight is the number of? New beginning is one of the interpretations. Here's a, my 
which is what I got from the Lord, eight is the number of sacrifice. Anything that you do for the kingdom, there's a sacrifice involved. On the eighth day, they were circumcised. On the eighth, there were several uh, denotations of the number eight, which points toward a sacrifice. Okay? What's that? Cutting off. So in the Beatitudes also, there is a level of involvement included, which is a sacrifice from our part. Because after eight comes what? Nine. Nine is actually a number of harvest. The nine gifts. The nine administrations of the Holy Spirit. There is a harvest involved after a sacrifice. So whatever we are doing today or have done in the previous years, the times of sacrifice we've done, the next phase, don't give up at that point and say, oh, this is too much. The next phase is what? Harvest. After eight comes nine. So in the Beatitudes, let's look at the first one here. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Matthew 5, verse 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, what did I say? Kingdom of heaven is the target state that we are trying to get to. What is it? It's a state of mind. It's a consciousness where you have the peace, the joy, the righteousness in the Holy Spirit. You're operating in harmony with the Spirit of God. Because only when you operate in harmony with the Spirit of God, you know what to do. You are listening to God and you are performing what God is telling. As Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. He sees what the Father is doing and he does that. That's called divine harmony. He's one with God. And his prayer was, just as the Father and Son are one, so let these people, disciples, be as well. Meaning, it's not talking about just an outward form of unity. This is talking about inner unity where you are united with the Spirit of God. You're so confident in who you are. So, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's the first requirement, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So to enter into this new state of divine consciousness, the first requirement is a state of poor poverty. Poor in, it was very clear, the Bible says poor in spirit. It didn't say poor in finances, poor materially, none of that. Poor in spirit. A humble and a modest uh, attitude. One of the things about people who are poor in spirit, they're willing to learn. They're not sitting here trying to criticize what is being taught or know-it-all attitude. They want to experience growth and expansion in the spirit. I know some of you are like sponges. You're just, way, just wanting more and more. I've met so many people these days that are so, such a hunger and poverty in the spirit. Because why? The nominal churches are not able to deliver. They're going week after week, but coming out dry. And they're like, what the heck are we doing in these churches? There's no spirit. There's an outward form, though. There is songs going on. There's preaching going on. But it's lacking the spirit's power. And without the spirit's power impacting you, it won't do nothing to your soul. You can just say, I, you know, checklist uh, or checked two hours at the church on Sunday, but it ain't transforming you to the convergence with the Spirit. I sat in churches for years, only, honestly, I'm just telling you this, only when I aligned with this tribe here, Apostle Dutch and Apostle Clay and this tribe, I came into the fullness of what God called me. And it was actually through the laying on of hands of Dutch sheets. 
It was, it was not a big scene or anything. The Apostle Dutch was done with the service. He's standing right here, I think. And uh, I just came by. We talked. He laid hands on me and prophesied the word he spoke. He spoke multiple words. In one occasion, he said, you're going to reach the fullness of the Spirit. So I had no clue what the word was. To be honest, with you, I have no clue when he said fullness of the Spirit. So I thought fullness of the Spirit means I'll come to a point where I'll be fully obedient to the word. That's what I was thinking. No, 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 that was not what it was. Because I cannot fully obey the word in my flesh, honestly. There are limitations in me that keeps making me fall here and there. But then the God started to show me, when he said I will reach fullness, he was showing me that I'm going to reach a fullness in my divine identity. No matter what happens in my flesh and in my circumstances, I know who I am. I know it's no, I am not my weaknesses, I am not my downfalls, I am not my deficiencies. I belong to the Spirit of God. I am the righteousness of God. And that thing started to grow upon me and, uh, you know, God started to use me with power. But it was through this tribe, though. I was, man, I was, I was searching in the internet, where is, show me a good church, Lord, with the Spirit, because I wasn't getting anything. I get, like I said, we can just do our religious activities day after day, but I wasn't getting to the transformation that scriptures are talking about. Apostle Paul said, my, I, I have birth pangs until you reach the fullness in Christ. Every believer, every one of you sitting here, are a divine expression of God. You are so precious to God. You are full of potential. You are full of divine worth. And there is so much purpose in each one of us that the enemy don't want to unravel. He just don't, he doesn't want you to see that. He doesn't want you to get out in the limelight either. He wants to keep you under the bushel. He doesn't want you to be a city on a hill. So blessed are the poor in spirit. This posture is so important because this requires work. There was a time when I remember I was so prideful. I, I thought this, I hit the ceiling. I knew it all. And I didn't do nothing. Now when I look back, my Lord, I'm like, oh, thank God the Lord didn't let me in that pedestal. It was like four or five years ago before even I came to City Gate. I thought this is it. I used to segment people. I said, no, not, not that group, this group. They're heretics, this and that. Until God sent me through certain things to make me poor in spirit. And then I started to just have an open mind. Especially with our group here, like Bethel and Dutch Sheets and all the, they say, they, they think we are crazy. <laughs> waving flags and running around here. You know. That's not the case. And um, this, is, I guess, this is why the gifts of the Holy Spirit are so important because it was certain, some of the prophets who told me, you'll have to go to Los Angeles. My first fire baptism was at um, one of the Bill Johnson's meeting in California. And from there, it was just, uh, once you taste fire, you can't <laughs> be satisfied. After that, you just need the download of fire. You will do whatever it requires to get more fire. So the people who are poor in spirit... They want the progress that leads to well-being. When I say well-being, that well-being can only come with your you, or convergence with God. No money, no wife, no husband 
can bring you the satisfaction that your unity with God will bring. That's why Jesus said, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Meaning if you're not awakened, you will never be satisfied with all the other material stuff here. You got to be awakened to your divine worth, divine identity, and uh, divine acceptance. That, that you are accepted in the beloved. That's what brings true satisfaction to the soul. Until then, we can run after alcohol, women, drugs, whatever you think. It ain't going to make us happy. All these Hollywood stars committing suicide, they got the money. They got the women. They got the houses. But unfortunately, Robin Williams, guess what? He's also a child of God, but he was asleep. He, he, was ne he never awakened. He got depressed. Until you find who you are, you're depressed. You're more than your profession. You're more than your vocational calling. You are more than a dad or a mom. You are a divine expression of God, a unique expression of God. And until you find your divine worth and divine origin, you're lost. Hallelujah. So the first requirement is what? Everyone say, poor in spirit. So we got to have a willingness to be flexed and to be molded by God to experience growth. Now, it doesn't mean you have to sit under every false teacher out there or any heresy out there, but the attitude internally to be open to the Holy Spirit, what he can do. Do not put God in a box. That's the main thing. Be open to it. And test it. Test it too. It's important. Because whenever I experienced some things, I tested it with my friends who are, who are in prophetic or apostolic just to ensure that this is right. Next one. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. The next posture requirement is blessed are they who mourn. How many of you, raise, raise your hands if you can, how many of you have gone through agonizing situations for your faith? I have. We have mourned. I have cried out just for the fact that I am in faith. But, you, uh, but Jesus says to get into the kingdom consciousness, mourning is part of it. But if you don't take mourning and sorrow as a stumbling block, but instead, if you see it as a step toward spiritual growth, because this, this few days ago too, there were situations where I was like, God, this is discouraging. But then God told me, take comfort in me. So any setback, any sorrow that you face is a setting stage for what? For you to get comforted in God's presence. You can run away from God's presence and take some narcotics or whatever to get comforted or get to the presence of God to comfort you. It's a, it's a great time or an opportunity if you're going through that stage where you're mourning in, inside. It's a great opportunity to be comforted by who? By the presence of God. Just sit still for a few minutes. Pour out your heart to God. All these are opportunities Instead of jumping out and yelling and fighting and screaming, sit quietly. Just get away from all the general public 
and just mourn before God. Because it is required for you to enter into kingdom consciousness. Because without mourning, without that state of mind, you would not tap into another facet of God. That, what do you call it? That agony is needed for you to tap in to the presence of God in a unique way. Blessed are those who mourn. Use your sorrow as a step toward spiritual strength, peace, and understanding. Don't waste it. Every day we'll have something. But take it as a time. Today, this morning too, there's something going on. It's like, and God's presence just came over. I wouldn't have experienced that God's presence if I didn't go through that situation. If I didn't mourn internally, I wouldn't experience the comfort of God either. Hallelujah. Third one. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Another powerful revelation, right? So who are the meek? They are quiet and gentle. Especially these people, they stay back. Even though they can get involved in many situations, they stay back, leaving it to God. Meekness involves a lot of self-control. Meekness is not just, you know, putting your head down and walking. It is, it is coming from an internal strength. But at the same time, you, there are play, times when you can get involved, but you would just step back and let God. There are times when you can talk, but you would just keep quiet. It's meekness it requires a lot of self-control to just step back and not speak or act at that time. Why? Because... You realize that it is not by might, it is not by human power, but by the Holy Spirit only certain things can be resolved. You don't need to get involved in everything, putting, putting your arm of strength, trying to resolve it. So meekness involves a lack, oh sorry, a lot of self-restraint. A meek person is a person who can restrain himself or herself. That is meekness. And people who are meek, there's an earthly blessing, actually. They shall inherit the earth, meaning they're going to rule and reign. I've seen some of the big, successful people in the world are very meek. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Mark Zuckerberg, name it. They are not loose cannons out there. Very meek. They, they exercise self-restraint when the press or the politicians ask them questions. They just control themselves. They, they don't even show an expression of hate or... But so when we exercise this or when we develop these qualities, there's an earthly blessing in this that we are going to rule and reign as well. Practicing self-restraint and not reacting to every Tom, Dick, and Harry can get us to a place of reigning and ruling in the earth realm. Not easy, though. They're going to push your buttons for sure. They're going to rub you in the wrong way. In the road, maybe when we just step out of the church. Someone might cut you off. But meekness is involving a lot of self-restraint, self-control. And to enter the kingdom consciousness, it's so important to be meek. We have to develop this. The Bible says David was a man of war. Many things David couldn't do because he had that, that holy rage sometimes. We have to come to a place of perfect peace and practicing self-restraint, not getting our adrenaline or 
whatever that hormone is, getting it out. No, we have to learn. It's a tough thing. We have to sometimes be like Jesus. What did he do? He was spat on, beaten. He, actually, in fact, it says he could have called the legion of angels in a second. He didn't do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. Meek, ultimate example of meek is our Lord. And guess what? He has inherited the earth. And he will not rest until the whole world is under his dominion, under his lordship. So also meek, meek people, they are, they know it very well that it's only by receiving of divine power. They are just so receptive to the divine power rather than human strength. They know God can resolve this. God is able. God can do it. Now our flesh will say, come on, if you don't do nothing, if you don't do something about this, this is going to go out of hand. But there are, there are times when we just got to step back. It might take weeks before you get an answer, but let God do it. Don't try to pull out the wheat from the tares or tares from the wheat. Leave it to God. So this is the third requirement. Meekness to enter kingdom consciousness and to rule and reign over the earth. If you're not a meek person, you're going to struggle. And by and large, our modern society, uh, we don't, there's not many meek people. Everyone will speak their minds. Not many people are dependent on God. We just run our mouths. We'll do whatever it takes to offend the other person. Unfortunately, guess what? Bunch of, there'll be a lot of losers out there. You, you will not enter into your divine potential without getting into the place of meekness. Meekness again. Not just an absence of God here. You, you, some people are meek, but they're not depending on God. This meekness is you practice self-restraint based on the trust that God will resolve it. It's dependence on God involved here, okay? You commit it to God. Hallelujah. Fourth one. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. So the righteousness is what I'm talking about, the convergence piece. If you truly want to get into this place of union with God, you got to have a level of hunger and thirst. If you are, if you are off in the morning, you got to just cry out to God in the morning. Lord, I don't feel it today. I'm not in my zone. I want to get recalibrated back. You got to hunger and thirst for right, not for doing some things, for right, when they say righteousness, to come into the state of righteousness. So there's two things about righteousness, right? There's a practical righteousness involved, then there's a position of righteousness. I'm talking about getting back into the position of righteousness. So you have to yearn for right thinking. You have to press on to enter the kingdom of God, to experience the peace joy and righteousness. So when you're hungry, hungry and thirsty, how many of you are going to sit at home and just bite the bullet? You're going to go and find something to drink or to eat. Right? So similarly, spiritually as well, you have to have that drive. When you're hungry, and th especially when you're off, off sync with God. Many days it can happen. That the hunger and thirst is what will re reset you back. 
hunger and thirst. There can be many distractions on the day. No matter what it is, the back of your mind, your main goal should be, I want to get reset, recalibrated back with God. That should be your primary goal. And once you reach that spot, then sustain it. Sustain it. Because without that convergence with God, you are just, re- you're just running around aimlessly, to be honest with you. From morning to evening, it's an aimless, trivial pursuit. You wake up in the morning, get back at home in the evening. What have you achieved? Nothing. You just did a bunch of stuff, but it's low-value-added activities, not adding to your purpose or your destiny as a person. So you can keep being busy and grow old and die, but you got more potential than that. There's a divine purpose waiting to be released and expressed out of your life, which you have to be very deliberate about. Especially depending on God to release you. Because to be honest with you, when we, we try to say, I'm going to do step one through ten to hopefully fulfill my purpose, if God is not on it, it will never happen. It's God who raises one up and puts one down. The divine power I've seen over and over again, it doesn't need much human involvement, even though we need to cooperate. If you fully trust in God, he will take you out of the heaps and bring you out at the top. But you have to have that complete dependence and spending time with God, trusting in this higher entity called God. It's not easy for us to trust in something higher that we are not able to see. But when I look at each one of you, I see what? A divine expression. Not an average person. From the brain to the nerves, the arteries, the whole intellect. This is not an accident. This is a divine expression, an intelligent being. Look at what man has done all around the world. The airplanes, the technology, to the nuclear power. It's an expression of God moving through man, operating through man. And that's why we worship God. We say, God, how great you are. We have only just scratched the surface of what God can do through us. There's more. Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, 7, the next one, the fifth one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Another requirement to enter the kingdom consciousness. We have to deliberately practice acts of mercy daily. Loving and merciful. And uh, in, the, in the book of Luke it says, Give and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. This is a very deep principle, which we can actually use it to our advantage in many ways. We, you know, showing an act of kindness, being merciful to others daily, de- being deliberate about it. Now, we can just, like I said, I can go to day, days, or I can be at work many days where I just do my work and get out. Or I can make a deliberate attempt to be kind to somebody, to say a word of encouragement to somebody. But those things, those practices are kind of fading away. People are getting selfish, my business, my way or the highway kind of deal. But the problem is you'll never enter into the kingdom consciousness, divine consciousness, without deliberately practicing the acts of mercy. It doesn't come naturally. I don't like to, uh, you know, get up from my couch or get up from the bed daily. But we do it. Why? There are other things that need to be taken care of. Similarly, this is good for your spiritual advancement. 
acts of mercy. Whether it's financial giving or just a word, a word of encouragement to a word of, or a hug, whatever it might be. Practice acts of mercy daily, and you will see this concept working for you. It says, give and it shall be given to you. How? A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. You know, it's interesting. When I was meditating on this word, suddenly this picture came to my mind, you know, about Facebook. Many, many, comp many social media sites used to charge something. Back in the days before Facebook came, got to have some money, subscription. They didn't want to just give it out for free. And then Facebook comes with this mission. We want to connect the whole world. They go free, and they put everybody out of business. And now I think it's bigger than even FedEx. Facebook, a social media company without any real assets, $74 billion worth, I think, I don't know exactly how much revenue. But look at the worth. What they've done is this guy called Mark Zuckerberg came with a cost. Innocent cause. He said, I want to just connect the world. And he, he, his attitude was just, I want to just give it. No charges, nothing. Guess what people did? Pressed down, shaken together, have men have given into his bosom. Every country, every nation is connected on what? Facebook. <laughs> but this concept came not from a monetary gain perspective, this guy, because he had an initial... Um, Proposal from Yahoo, when just Facebook was just starting, Yahoo said, I'll, we'll buy this out for a billion dollars. One billion dollars. Mark said no. He was very clear he was not in this for the money. He had a bigger cost in mind, bigger than monetary gain, and he just wanted the world to connect. And guess what? This concept has worked for him very well. He gave it freely. In return, you see where they are now. And nobody can understand what's going on. What's Facebook all about? Why are they making so much money? Everybody's on Facebook. No one wants to watch TV. Advertisers want Facebook now. Simple concept. Now, we can operate in, in the act of mercy and giving in, in the capacities we have. It's against the grain. We might not feel like doing some things like this, but we, we got to do it if we want to advance into what? Kingdom consciousness, deliberate acts of mercy, finding opportunities. You got to go and do this. Maybe it's buying a box of donuts on the way to work. I don't know. Something. Just keep people happy or, you know, just being merciful. Matthew 5 8, the next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see. God. So these are the people, again, I know the traditional interpretations talks about, oh, you got to become so pure in heart before you see God. That ain't true. If that was the case, I would never see God. My flesh is not pure. My flesh pulls me to all sorts of tendencies and temptations. I know this flesh is going away. So what is this talking about? This is talking about seeing purity in others. When you look at others, instead of looking at his color or his weakness, you see the divinity in that person. You, you view people from a pure perspective. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If I looked at this brother and just judged him based on something else, I'm not going to see God because 
I now know he's divine. He's not just flesh. He's a spiritual being. So I looked at him from a pure intent. I'm able to respect others because I see a bunch of God sitting here. Sons, of, sons and daughters of God sitting here. That's because of a pure outlook. Now if I looked at him based on his history, his old baggage, man, no, 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 I don't like this. No. You can't, you'll never see God like that. If you start to stereotype people and look at them and measure them based on all their past, you'll never see God either. You've got to rise up and start viewing people who they are in the spirit. Who, what's the divine potential, where they could be going rather than where they were. Because it's all, all their errors are under the blood. You can't pull them up. That's what Jesus, the uh, Bible says, whom God has justified, who can condemn? You can't pull up their sins back up again. Even though the world will try to do that. 5.9, Matthew 7th uh, one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of, God, children of God. So these are people who, are, who have already taken time to harmonize with the Spirit of God. And then they project out that peace to others. Okay? So this is why uh, God, Jesus told Peter, first strengthen yourself, then convert your brethren. First wear your oxygen mask before you put it on someone else. Spiritually first get reset before you can do anything to others. So it's very important to have at first a good relationship with God. And then you can be an effective peacemaker because you are already at peace with God. Because then that peace will exude out, will project out through you. People will feel the peace and the warmth when they talk to you, shake hands with you. Yeah, it's something different. Because he or she has taken time to harmonize with God already. John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be. Jesus was our perfect peacemaker. He was already in harmony with God, and then he was able to release peace onto all others. He was able to in inject this peace to other people. He was contagious in that fashion. But he was what? He took time to reset with God daily. He'll go on the mountaintop. He'll be uh, alone with God. Eighth one, and the last one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The final sacrifice involved before you can transition to kingdom consciousness. This is the final attitude in the Beatitudes. In other words, people who, who stand strong for their convictions, who do not compromise despite persecutions, says people who live up to their highest understanding of truth. No matter who says, which high priest says, which pastor, doesn't matter. Once you transition to the truth, you stand strong. People might call you a heretic. People might call you a lunatic. Your family people, your family members might say, this, she's gone out of whack. But you stand strong, and you, even though persecutions come, and then you will transition to the kingdom of heaven mentality. Persecutions will first come before you transition. 
Persecution is a sign and signal that you're getting close. It says, those who meet with opposition to spiritual development from inside and outside are true to the highest. They grow strong through mastering their difficulties and eventually gain kingdom consciousness. So persecution is a, is a vital thing. If persecution ain't happening, you ain't in anywhere close to kingdom consciousness. It will come, 100% it will come, when you are advancing closer and closer to your unity with God, all hell will break loose against you. That's a sign you're getting close. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's stand up for a minute. And let's ask the Lord for His grace to have these attitudes in place. And also, I have one more thing. Um, Apostle wanted us to pass. If some, a couple of men can move this uh, tent towards the center. Remember last week we did this exercise of passing through the tent. He wanted us to go the other way as well just to complete the um, process. So as we saw, the Feast of Tabernacles, God's goal is your convergence in the Spirit so that you can walk and talk in the Holy Spirit without any hindrance. So we are just doing this as a prophetic act again. As people pass by, we are, I'm also going to have Vicky come forward and Pray for what's going on in D.C. with Judge Kavanaugh and the situation that justice will prevail. That uh, if, any of you are, if any of you feel the leading to come pray for this uh, cause, come on forward as well. But um, how do you want to do it, Dan? First, pray for it and then let people pass by? All right, come on, Vicky, come forward. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just bless you before she, uh, she's going to read out some things to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, for the Spirit to soak us to this morning, O oh God. Bring us a deep, deep work. Do a deep work in our lives, Lord. You want everyone to reach their potential, their purpose, the plans. You love them. The plan, you have a plan to prosper them and not to harm them. Yes, God. Come on, just open your mouths and just praise God. Ask God, cry out to God, pour out to God, whatever it requires. Because he doesn't want anyone to stand still. If you don't ask, you don't get. The Bible clearly says, you don't receive because you ask not. Go ahead and ask what you need. Hallelujah. Father, I pray that this would be a, a group of kingdom shakers, world shakers, world movers, who know they are, who they are, who know who they are, that they know who they are in the spirit. That they will do great exploits. Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll anoint this tent as a prophetic act as people pass through the tent again. That you would seal the deal. That they would all be one with you. One in the spirit. Quickened by your power, O oh God. Jesus. Mm. Hallelujah. Come on, brother. Please pray. Father, we just bless you and we honor you. Father, we magnify the right now you, your name, O oh God. Father, we exalt you, O oh Lord. Father, we extol you, O oh God. Father, as we come forth today, Daddy, we come forth, 
according to your word, hanging on your promises, oh God. Daddy, you who promised is faithful, oh God. And we honor you right now in the name of Jesus. Father, we move according to your word in harmony with you. Father, you said, how can two walk together except they be in agreement? Father, we move in agreement with you, O God. We move in harmony with you, O God. We move in harmony with you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you now, Father. And we thank you now, Father, because we know, Lord God, it is your will. And as you have desired in the earth, Father, you have already shown it and released it in the heavens. And so, Father, we thank you now, Lord God. Father, we're calling earth to mimic heaven right now in the name of Jesus. We are calling earth to be in direct alignment with heaven, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, oh God. And we celebrate you, Father. We celebrate you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God.